0: Everybody and welcome to the Sunny16 podcast. Uh, this is show number 21, so with today we officially come of age. Uh, of course that probably depends on where you live in the world and where you're listening to this show. Uh, but I don't think there's anywhere where it's older than 21, so let's go with that. It's probably the safest way to recognise it. Uh, today is going to be a bit of a magazine-style show. We've got a lot of the small things to talk about today, and uh, Graham and I have been trawling the internet. Oh, who am I kidding? Mostly Graham has been trawling the internet <laughs> uh, for, for some things to talk about uh, that are shorter, but still interesting. Anyway, uh, now you're finished with your researching. Graham, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, it's been quite good fun. So I'm going to have a quick scout round. I don't actually spend that much time looking for stuff on the internet. No, let me clarify. I spend a lot of time looking for things to buy on the internet. I don't spend a lot of time just looking in general on the internet so it's quite fun to just head out and see what's what's going on what's current in the world of film photography and as usual there's a surprising amount of uh, interesting stuff that i found today so i'm excited
0: i tell you what we'll start off with something that i know you've been participating in uh but that i haven't uh mostly because i don't have all the right kit um but this week i believe is polaroid week
1: yeah, it is. I only spotted that halfway through the week. I started seeing the hashtag uh, Roid Week up here. And to begin with, I thought, well, oh, is it National Hemorrhoid Week? What are we celebrating here? <laughs> um, but no, it turns out it's Polaroid Week, which I think is a lot more pleasant. And um, seen lots of really nice images, people obviously making a particular effort to get out and shoot instant film this week because although it's polaroid week i think we have to be realistic that, um shooting polaroid is impossible no matter how you look at it you can use polaroid cameras but you're not using polaroid film and um an instant is instant so i think you could be out there with your instax anyway taking part just as much but uh yeah i did get out because i do have a polaroid 210 land camera which is one of the um, Bellows Polaroid cameras that use the Fuji peel apart film. I um, thought, well, I've, I've had these couple of packs of film that I've been sitting on and not using because they've got really expensive these days. Uh, we've talked about it at great length. And so it's unlikely that I'm going to be buying any more anytime soon. So I've been saving them thinking, well, I've got to, you know, use them for something special, wait for that special occasion. And then when Polaroid Week came along, I thought, no, I'm just going to take them out and start shooting them. I'm just going to put them in and have fun with them and be done. And uh, so that's what I've been trying to do this week.
0: Do you know what? I'm all up for that. Um, It's really easy to be precious, um, but then it's also really easy to not use all of the wonderful things that you have in the way that you can be creative. I mean, you know, for example, taking a black and white photo of some red apples. Yeah, well, you see,
1: the film I had in there was some FP3000B, which is the black and white stuff, Um, and that had been sitting there for a little while. So, okay, first few shots capture some autumn colour you said you know it's autumn colours everywhere so I thought I'm gonna do this um and admittedly black and white is probably not the ideal medium (laughs) um autumn colour the picture I took there wasn't that much colour in the trees but the apples on it were this lovely bright red and you couldn't even make out that there were apples on the tree in this print also the film was expired when I got it and That's been fine, Um, but I think something was going a bit wrong with this end of the pack, maybe because it's been sat around in the camera for a few months. Um, I don't know what really caused it, but there's some fairly interesting light leaks on that shot when it came out. But it wasn't as bad as the last. That was shot number nine out of ten. Shot number ten went a bit wrong, unfortunately. Ah, What happened? I was trying to take some... Well, it doesn't really matter what, i to take some picture of, but for the record, it was just a, a very low-level picture looking at across some grass with some uh, fallen leaves on it, which I think would have worked okay in black and white. But when I came to pull out the film uh, so it could develop and get the picture, the tab that you pull out snapped off. Ah. Oh. So I was then left <laughs> with the situation where I had this one sheet of film left in the camera, and no way to get it out so i took the camera home well obviously i'm not going to leave it in my garden where i was working and got it into the dark bag and was able through fumbling fingers to get the sheet of film feed it through the rollers and then pull it through that but the result is a just disaster it's i don't know what what part of the (laughs) that flawless process messed it all up Mm -hmm. but it's just ruined the image unfortunately so that was that um so I do still have one pack of FP 3000 left to shoot. And that is actually in, in my van because I do, although Polaroid week, I guess is over now. I do intend to just keep the the camera in the van and try and get through these couples of packs over the next couple of weeks. But I switched out as the uh, black and white wasn't perfect for awesome color. And I've now got some FP 100 C in there, which is the color film. And I've shared a couple of pictures I've shared shared a couple of pictures I've taken so far with them and uh, they've definitely done a little bit better with the autumn colour
0: than the black and white did Yeah, absolutely. The coloured one is is nice, actually, both on our Instagram account, at sunny16podcast, for anybody that wants to see them. And I think you posted them both to our Flickr group as well, actually. So uh, if anybody's more of a Flickr fan than Instagram, uh, you can see them both there. It's a good effort. Uh, Well done for participating in Polaroid week. Uh, And, uh, you know, well done for using the film, uh, because... uh, for me, these things are to be used. I'm I'm not particularly precious about them, and yeah, they'll be gone one day. But do you know what? There'll be something else ten years from now that is five years out of date that we can probably uh, obsess over.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're probably be right there. I have got one other picture I haven't actually shared it out properly yet. It's on my Flickr page, but I haven't put it in groups yet. It's another one I took at work on the colour stuff of some chickens because although it's not my cheap shot challenge camera, I thought. I'm gonna get started on this capturing wildlife now so I've got
0: were they pic- wild chickens or were they domesticated?
1: Uh, well, they were domesticated chickens, but it's animals or wildlife animals slash wildlife. So domesticated chickens are just fine.
0: All right, okay, I'll give you a benefit of the doubt on that one i'm not I'm not entirely sure, but if it's animals and wildlife, then maybe you'll get away with it.
1: It's it's difficult otherwise.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. I was going bear hunting next weekend. I don't. i it, probably illegal, <laughs> but what?
1: Uh, and, and difficult, you know, down in your neck of the woods, distinct lack of bears.
0: Well, yeah, I know, but I was going to go with my bonica, and if the bears get to, well, I'll see. I'll just whack them over the head. You know, you mentioned that,
1: and uh, goodness, I can't remember whether it's next on our list or not. Uh, but I wanna, I've want to. i made a start on the Cheap Shot Challenge. I've, I'm on it already. Okay. I don't know how you're getting on, but I have made a start. I've re-batteried up my IS1000, and uh, I've been out taking some pictures. Uh, first, that £5 budget that I allowed for optional extras. What did you buy? I've got myself a yellow filter for it. Woohoo! I know, I know. Well, technically... I didn't buy a yellow filter. I looked to see how much I could get a yellow filter for. It was under £5, and then I used one I already had because why waste £5? And
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Even more breaking of the rules than usual, but hey, well, that's all right.
1: It's just sound financial sense. Um, You remember what the biggest problem I had with my camera last time was, right?
0: Uh, It's ugliness?
1: No, no. The other biggest problem I had. uh,
0: It's slowness?
1: It, we'll be here all day if you want to list all my minor defects it was the choice of film I put in it
0: alright, that wasn't a problem with the camera then was it?
1: well alright, no, it was a problem with user error, so last time I put in ISO 50 film which didn't work out terribly well for me because the camera is pretty slow anyway and that didn't help so, from one extreme to the other, I put in T-Max 3200 this time, because that seemed like a good idea. Well, why um, not? Yeah, exactly. And that means that one, it'll cope far better with the reduced light levels that we're increasingly getting now. And two, I can put a yellow filter on and it still remains perfectly usable. And as luck would have it, I was looking after my young son yesterday and needed to find something to do with him. So I took him to the Cotswold Wildlife Park.
0: Oh, I've been there.
1: Uh, it's full of wildlife. It says it right in the name, Cotswold <laughs> Wildlife Park. Um, and I had my uh, Olympus IS-1000 with me. My, my son asked me as I got it out and started, I was trying to take a picture of an emu and said, why well, have you got that yellow thing on the front of it there? The answer to that became almost immediately apparent in a way I wasn't expecting As <laughs> this emu went, yeah, and packed straight at the camera and smashed its beak on this lens, on the... um yellow filter oh so, wow okay so it's there to protect the lens boy that's what it's there <laughs> <laughs> did quite a good job um, lessons
0: in practical photography
1: <laughs> yeah yeah emus will try and eat your camera if you're not careful the slow focusing of the camera not unfortunately fixed by simply putting in faster film but um yeah hopefully at least having a faster ISO filming will give me a bit more flexibility so I took 18 pictures in total yesterday so I'm quite
0: well through my roll of film. That's probably doubled your total to date this year, isn't it?
1: It's getting there, it's getting there. I took I went over to visit some family today and deliberately took a load of cameras with me thinking I'm going to finish up some rolls of film today.
0: Never even got as far as taking them out of the car. What a waste of time that was. Ah well, sometimes that happens. I do that sometimes. I took a we were going to go back to Wisley today see if the uh the colours were any better uh, and we didn't make it in the end so i i put a roll of ektar in my bronica today and you know didn't happen but hey yeah hey.
1: the colour is getting quite spectacular now is the time if you i mean i'm in middle england and now is definitely the time to get out things are really starting to get into full colour and if the weather we've got a few cold nights coming up this week so it should be fantastic and then probably quite soon afterwards it'll go very rapidly so get out there with your cameras this week guys.
0: Yeah well hey in the UK at least it's half term isn't it so if there's any parents out there listening to this show that are taking a couple of days off you know yeah I'm sure the kids would love to go to somewhere like a forest or an arboretum or a garden or something like that and uh, have a run around and then you can take as many photographs of the colours as you like in fact I even looked um, uh, Where was I looking at today oh yeah no again going back to the, the gardens at Wisley uh, and I was looking on their website today because I know they have a uh, an autumn or ha- an Halloween kind of market that they set up uh, but they, I, I found out that they actually do special mornings for photographers at the weekend sometimes and oh, they no. open the garden at 730 in the morning now oh, at 730 in the morning round about now here in the UK uh it's not dark, uh, but it's not long after sunrise and the sun is still very low. And because it's autumn, it's often quite misty. And I thought, actually, that'd be really cool. It's a good idea, that, isn't it? Because you could go down there as a photographer and you know, get some really good light, maybe get some mist or fog and uh, all the colours as well. Yeah, that would be lovely. Is that something you have to book in advance for or...? No, no, you can pitch up. I mean, you, you never have to book in advance for this place. Uh, yeah, it is enormous. So, I mean, you can just pitch up whenever you want.
1: Yeah, that sounds cool. And also, just being able to take pictures without it being filled with other people sounds wonderful. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. You should definitely give that a go when you get a chance. Yeah,
0: sadly, it was yesterday morning, but <laughs> and I only found out today, but I should do. Oh well. I'll see if I can find another one to go to. Right, OK, that's not quite as as zippy and magazine-y as I thought we were going to be, so let's move on to the next thing. A uh, bit bit related to Polaroid Week. Uh, new 55 colour 4x5 peel-apart film, I think.
1: Yeah, this was... Um, I was really pleased to see this. So checking out kickstarter uh which is always good for a laugh because you do see all sorts of stuff when you look for photography on kickstarter my is always the one that say um my camera's broken please just give me some money to buy a new camera anyway does that work f- i could do one of those Looking at the number of backers these projects tend to have, no, no, it does not work at all. There was one I saw when I looked a month or so ago, and he just kept posting the same project over and over again and getting no backers. And it's like, mate, nobody wants to give you any money to just go do what you want with it anyway. The new 55 who created... um Peel Apart Film for black and white for shooting 4x5 a few years ago have started a new Kickstarter project and this is for colour Peel Apart Film for 4x5 cameras. This is really exciting for a couple of reasons First Peel Apart Film Peel Apart colour film for 4x5 in itself would be fantastic. It's obviously not going to be cheap. Nothing 4x5 or nothing large format is ever cheap and uh, nothing instant is ever cheap so yes it's going to be an expensive product and there are a lot of um, obstacles in the way of getting there first but aside from just getting this product the main reason or the main driving force and the main reason why more people and just large format shooters should be interested in this is because Developing this technology, and hopefully raising the money for this, will also go a long way towards raising the money and the technology for developing peel apart pack film to
0: replace the discontinued Fuji films, and Ooh. that's really exciting. Yeah, I mean that sounds uh, you yeah, that that sounds like it's the sort of thing that get the internet rather emotional, in a good way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The project has it's still got 25 days to go. So it's only just started. And I believe so far they've raised 10 percent of what they're looking for. And they're looking for a lot of money. They think I think they need four hundred thousand pounds. And that doesn't surprise me at all, because what they're setting out to do is no small task. Uh, There's a whole set of rewards, obviously, as there always are with these things. Um, I think if you want to actually get hold of some of the film itself, the lowest level is75 dollars which will get you one pack of film and that's five shots five um Ow. yeah so it's,
0: fifteen dollars yeah, a shot does that make it but that's expensive yeah. but I i could see how it would be good value for money as well though.
1: Yeah I mean well you know value for money is such a subjective thing. I mean it if they can do it, it's going to be a unique product um they are also and all of this is stuff that they want to do this isn't like when we're talking about with the lamography kickstarter where they had a finished product they were taking pre-orders this is a genuine kickstarter they are looking to raise the money so that they can do the research and development to achieve what they want they've obviously done prototyping and they have got prototype products but that's a long way away from making something that is easily produced in the kind of quantities you need to to sell it um so yeah it, it is expensive um but it, it could be and the, the rewards go right up you obviously pay more than one pack of film i think the one you should go for aid is for uh 1250 dollars you get a speed graphics four by five camera and i think three packs of film as well so you get a camera
0: and some film for it. <laughs> I've always, I've always uh, had a hankering after one of those speed graphics. I always thought if I was going to buy a large format camera at any point, it would be one of those. Is it, is it correct to call that uh, a press camera? Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, I I really don't know a huge amount about large format photography, but I have these images, you know, these films that you watch from the 40s and 50s where the journalists all carry around these enormous things with massive great flash bulbs on the side of them as well. And uh, if that's the sort of thing you're talking about, then yeah, I want me one of those.
1: Yeah, they're very nice, and these cameras have all been refitted as well and refurbished. So I think that's actually you know pretty good. If you want to get into something, I know you can obviously pick the cameras up far cheaper than that. But um, what I also liked is that they're very upfront, even on the rewards themselves, where they say, yeah, for seventy-five dollars you get this film, subject to success, because they know that there's a chance that they might not be able to pull this off. If you look at, on the page, there's a list of, you know, what risks are there. And that's a really long list. It's like, yeah, this could be a disaster. this could be, But they have achieved success in the past with the black and white stuff. Um, they have got a prototype. And you, know, I, I think it's one of those things. I'm certainly seriously looking at it, whether or not I'll back it to get some film or whether I'll just back it to get a T-shirt or some postcards or whatever. I think for anybody who has any interest in instant photography this is definitely worth looking at and supporting not just for 4x5 shooters but for uh, you know polaroid shooters and what have you because um it's a really interesting product the other thing that they were talking about is that they are hoping and hoping is definitely the operative word for this that they will be able to create color negatives with this process as well at the moment with the peel apart film some people are able to put in the effort and go through the um fairly elaborate process of getting negatives out of the um part of the peel apart So you've actually got a negative from it but i think that's quite difficult to do um what they are hoping is that they can come up with a way that will actually create true color negatives as well as the print which would be amazing if they can do it so
0: it, w- it would that. be. I mean, that would be astonishing. I mean, yeah you know, it it reinvigorates a whole area of photography as a an art form that yeah you know, I think we thought had gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so you know, I mean, yes, it's it's. It's uh, not exactly street photography, I suppose, if you're carrying around something of that size. But I mean, it still would be, you know, uh, a fantastic opportunity to to do something new and do something creative. So, I wish them all the success with that. And yeah, uh, you know, as, as I do, I think the next one on the list actually is also a Kickstarter, isn't it? Um, and uh, there are some words here which I, I I know all the words, but they don't seem to mean much grouped together like this. I'll write what you've written on the show notes here. Um, Dolomite's ultra large format.
1: Yeah. So again, this was just one of these things that I was trawling through the Kickstarter photography ones, and this one leapt out at me. Um, this is a group of individuals who have already made what look like some fairly humongous large format cameras. Um, you know, much bigger than even eight by ten. I think they've got sort of sixteen by twenty large format cameras. What they want to do now is buy an ex Russian military vehicle, um, which, Aid, you know more about these things than I do, uh, and convert that into a camera to go and take huge format pictures of the Dolomites, which I think is fantastic. Um, They've got a picture, because apparently the one thing which is obviously fairly critical to this is the lens. And they've now sourced this lens. I cannot remember. I don't know whether you've
0: got the page in front of you, Aide. Oh, just see if I can find it. I did have, I think it might've gone, but I'll call it up again.
1: They have sourced this lens of which there are apparently only 10 in existence. <laughs> the picture of this lens, this lens is as big as a child's head. It's huge. Um, and yeah, I just, I love this kind of thing. I think they're looking for far less money than the new 55. Cause obviously it's a very different film. I think it's, Something like 40,000 euros? I can't remember anyway. Hopefully, aid will find it in a second. You can fill in all the important Uh, details.
0: 50,000 euros uh, is what they want. Uh, The the vehicle in question is an enormous uh, truck, uh, military truck, uh, known as a Ural, I think. Uh, And uh, have they found a lens? Oh... Oh, yeah, a nickel. (laughs) Okay, so I see what you mean about it being bigger than a child's (laughs) head. So there's a photograph on the Kickstarter page here of the lens. Uh, I think it might be one of those forced perspective things you were thinking of the other day. A little bit, unless this young lady has very, very small hands indeed, because the (laughs) lens dwarfs her hands. Um, This is a, ah, rhyming, an F14 lens but the focal length is 1780 millimetres. Uh, that's quite a long focal length. It's a bit bigger than your average 35 mil.
1: Yeah, but I, but I bet that's probably still um, wide angle. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I wonder what
0: that would be. I suppose it obviously
1: depends on how big the format ends being in the end. Um, I guess yeah. so.
0: I guess it would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, it says, oh, do, 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 do. oh never mind. I, I'm not going to uh, read here on a podcast or try and try and decipher the, the Kickstarter page because a lot of these things in Kickstarter, the, the, uh, the value is in watching the videos, isn't it, rather than reading the page. But that is an enormous lens and I had no idea Nikon made a lens that big, but or what they would have made it for <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that is the more interesting question but uh yeah so i definitely think that that's another one that's well worth a look at just for some people doing crazy interesting stuff and obviously they've got all sorts of different reward levels prints and stuff like that and i'm a big fan of supporting people doing interesting and uh, very individual stuff and this definitely falls into that category
0: yeah, well, good luck to them. So far, out of their fifty thousand euros, they have eighteen thousand uh, from a hundred and one backers, and That's there are, very good. S- yeah, yeah, and there are sixteen days still to go. So, uh, if every, anybody out there has a a real hankering for large format photographs of a of Russian mountains. I guess <laughs> is what we're talking about here. Um, or if you simply just want to see a camera lens that's bigger than a little girl's head, then I suggest you go and look up uh, the Kickstarter page, uh, the, the Dolomites in ultra-large format. All right. So next thing on the list then Um not a kickstart of this one, uh, more of a news announcement. So, um, uh, can we have uh, the n- breaking news tune, but with a sort of air of surprise and disbelief for it?
1: Uh, yeah, where? Well... Breaking news.
0: Excellent. That's exactly the Ron Burgundy moment I was hoping for. <laughs> right. OK, so everybody on this podcast will have heard of Kodak Ektar. In fact, I was talking about it only last week and uh, my prints came back from the shots I took last week and they were beautiful and hugely uh, saturated colours. It was amazing. Um, this breaking news is of something called the Kodak Ectra, which yeah. is like Ektar, but slightly more digital.
1: Well the Kodak Extra is actually a blast from the past. The Kodak Extra is a name that Kodak have used on cameras in the past. Um back, dating back to the 50s I think there were Kodak Extra uh, cameras. I my 110 Kodak is a Kodak Extra Lite. So it's a it's an old Kodak name.
0: No, right, okay, fair enough.
1: But it's being applied to a new thing, eh, isn't it? It's being applied to which really took me aback when I read about it.
0: It's an interesting product. Um, do, you, you know, do you want to enlighten our les- listeners, or shall I?
1: I, I? I will. Kodak is making a mobile phone. Pause for brief, stunned silence, because who saw that coming? Yeah, the Kodak Extra is a new mobile phone that's just been announced by Kodak. Um, unsurprisingly... The camera is its main unique selling point. I think other than that, it's a fairly standard Android phone.
0: I don't think it Um, even says what operating system it's going to use, actually.
1: Yeah, it is an Android because I think it's being made by LG, but I could be wrong on that. All right. okay, fair enough. Um, It's using one of the Sony sensors which are very good sensors. They're used in all sorts of different stuff. Uh, it is unusual in today's mobile phones in that the camera lens actually does sit proud of the body. It has a little bit more room there. And the thinking is obviously that where the magic is going to be is in the lenses rather than the sensor itself, that these Kodak lenses will hopefully give it a little bit of something special. Um, the thing that both you and I liked, Dave, was the case that it comes in.
0: Oh, awesome. Awesome case. It's a beautiful thing. It's leather or well, it might not be leather, I suppose it, it, could, it could be some modern equivalent of um, and it's like a like one of the old ever ready cases uh, that you'd get for you know, cameras from, the, I guess, the 60s and 70s. And you can still buy them today, but they're, they're less fashionable than they were. Uh, but yes, imagine a phone case which has a you know, protects the lens like an ever, and you can flip it up and then uh, then you can take your shot
1: yeah it's um i mean i'm i'm glad that kodak are making moves you know they were a company that looked to be almost dead in the water and in this last year we've seen the new super 8 camera that they're bringing out and now this um and i I wish them all success obviously mobile phones are not really our purview but when it's being made by kodak and called the extra we definitely needed to talk
0: about it well yeah and you know what this isn't I don't think your yeah, yeah, thing that you often get with the Polaroid brand where it's it, it's just a, a gimmick where the, somebody's bought the license to use the brand for this particular product and, and uh, it gone on. If you flick down, I mean, I'm looking right now at the Kodak.com website and uh, this really is the Eastman Kodak Company. Um, what's left of it is actually launching this smartphone um, with a, with a, an amazing camera, uh, yeah, a 21 megapixel camera. Quite why you need that many pixels in a phone is anybody's guess. But there you go. Um, optical image stabilization, autofocus. Uh, it's even got a 13-megapixel front-facing camera. So it's front-facing camera, it's selfie camera, has more pixels than my iPhone's main camera. But right. <laughs> It's got phase detection autofocus, 4K video. Okay, a lot, of, a lot of phones have 4K video now, but phase detection autofocus in a phone could be yeah. interesting. Could be interesting. Yeah. And if I look at the, uh, the picture of it, the specs for the lens, it says it is a... Ooh, it says it's an f2 lens uh it doesn't say what its focal length is i'd probably find it somewhere but uh, yeah it could be interesting who knows
1: yeah yeah absolutely i mean you know I, I wish them all the best there's a lot of android phones out there um i'm an android user i'm actually a sony android user so i'm used to the uh, stup- stupidly large 20 whatever it is megapixel sensor although you never actually use it at that resolution I don't anyway but um Yeah, we'll see what the phone's actually like when it comes out, but nice to see the Kodak name appearing on something new and photography related, uh, and a camera. I think apparently when I was reading this article, they did uh, put a a, a camera with the Kodak name on it uh, a few years ago, but it was just being made by somebody, third party, so not really a a Kodak
0: thing. Hmm. Okay. Well, as you say, interesting stuff. Right. Okay. uh, Moving on now for a quick break, and after the break, we're going to come back and talk about post-processing for film photography. All right. See you in a sec. Well, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Apart from shooting the Ektar uh, for the fall colours, or the autumn colours, uh, last weekend, I've been deliberately shooting the Agfa Vista Poundland film, and... Deliberately because I've been exploring post-processing film photographs. So, of course, what I mean by that, because it's me and because I don't do a lot of darkroom stuff or any darkroom stuff, I mean that when my scans come back from the lab and I stick them into Lightroom, I'm playing with the colour and the light and the contrast and things like that. And, uh, you know, I I guess a very high-level report is that uh, the Agfa film needs it. Uh, The Ektar film clearly doesn't. Uh, Ektar is just amazing stuff. Uh, But I've been deliberately trying to work my film photographs. Part of that was because uh, just, uh, Graham, you probably don't even remember this, but you made a, a very brief comment a few podcasts ago about, well, you know, well, I always process my film and I thought you know what I don't do that I mean you, apart from the fact that I don't particularly enjoy the whole post-processing of, of photographs you know, I'm much more about wanting to be out there and shooting I have uh, I just thought that's really weird surely the whole point about film photography is that you don't post-press it you don't need to it comes with that film look doesn't it and the wow and the pizzazz that we all love uh, all of us that shoot film that is uh, but Graham, what do you typically do with yours?
1: Okay, well, um, I suppose it depends on whether I'm going down the darkroom route or down the digital route. But most of my stuff is going to end up on my computer. In fact, all of it is. So I will develop negatives at home, then scan them in i've got a an old flatbed epson v500 scanner which is getting a bit long in the tooth now but it it still does the job fine for my needs it's not as if i've got any great art that i'm (laughs) saving into the Uh, well you know i'm a realist so i scan it in um usually at reasonably high resolution but not super high so i guess it's probably about 1200 dpi for 35 millimeter legs maybe maybe going up to um, was it 2,400, if it's something which I think is going to be really good and really worthwhile, but that makes for some very large files if you do that, then they'll get saved as TIFF files so they've got as much information in as possible. And I will generally, when I'm scanning them in, um, aside from making sure that the uh, levels are not horribly out of whack, Uh, Whether it's the light levels or the color tones as long as they're not terribly out I won't do much with them using the scanning software. I use the uh, Epson scanning software that came with it and that's worked fine for me and I'd rather use my other software on the computer for actually adjusting the levels and tones and stuff. So I scan it in and once it's in the next thing is it gets shunted up to Lightroom, which is my software of choice for doing all my processing um, the only thing that i don't do in lightroom is dust removal which there is also always a lot of with my negs um, some of them are worse than others i've been a little bit better lately but i will do that in photoshop elements uh, because it's way easier to do it in photoshop elements and I mean, it still can be a really time consuming job to do it if it's a particularly grubby negative but it's worth it and I will actually do that to the original because, obviously, um, it's not a change I'm going to want to undo. I made the mistake once of using Lightroom to do dust removal on a fairly – I think what I'd done, this was a couple of years ago, I'd scanned – I'd used essentially the scanner as a camera. I'd open the lid right up, put a um, piece of plant on it scanned it. So I had this huge, incredibly detailed picture um, that was covered in dust. And I tried just doing it all in Lightroom. And of course, with Lightroom, rather than editing your photo, what Lightroom is doing is creating a recipe, which then when you export the photo, it applies to the image. And if you're using it for dust removal, that recipe can get huge And really bogs everything down terribly. So I learned from that mistake. And yeah, don't do the dust removal in that. Um, And then once it's in Lightroom and clean, I treat it really much as I would with my digital images. Um, I want to get the best that I can in the way that I see it out of my shot. So within reason, I'll push and pull and poke and prod as need be
0: hmm interesting it's just something i don't know it's you know sometimes when you you have a realization that everybody knows something that but that you don't (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's kind of how i feel about this it's like well why would you the whole the whole point about film is that it's just as it comes back. I don't know. Maybe it's because when I was a kid, you know, the the prints used to come back in a little paper envelope from my dad's holiday photographs, and and mm. you know, and and that was it. And then they went. You had a look at them, and then they went in a uh, a, a photo album and went on the shelf or in the cupboard or whatever it was, and and uh, then you'd get them out at Christmas. But there was no there was no playing with photos as such. Um, but I, I don't know why. But I, I just really. Uh, never occurred to me and you know what i've actually um really sort of in, in, enjoyed it if you like if in a way that i've never enjoyed post processing before because you know with with digital stuff i can do some post processing and there are some tools that i like uh and uh but i i always find at the end of it with the digital stuff that i'm never really satisfied you know it's like okay so what i've done is i've polished a digital photograph <laughs> yeah, but with the film stuff because it starts. You start off. You you start off essentially halfway through the process because you've got your basic look. You know, and what is it they call in in uh, the uh, the, uh, the 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 film or the 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 colouring industry for films? Yeah, you know, movie type uh, films. Uh, is it LUTs, lookup tables, or something they call them? You know, for video editing and stuff. And um, you know, I think you know shooting film uh is is partly partly that you get your look and then it's about tweaking the light and the contrast and you know stuff like that um and so actually because it has a look baked into it and these are only jpegs i get back typically um i you know i've never because i've never done it before i've never asked anybody to spend the extra time and and me spend the extra money to send me back from the lab scanned tiff files i've, mm. I've always been happy with the jpegs because i don't really do anything with them uh, you know from a, a processing point of view uh and this has got me wondering a bit whether i should ask for tiffs although it's usually two or three quid you know per roll more expensive to scan to tiff than it is to jpeg mm. for some reason i can't further them out but um anyway uh I quite enjoyed it, and I ended up looking at this photo and thinking, do you know what, actually, it was all right the way it looked, because it was a film photograph and I'm using a film that I like the look of, um, but I've improved it, and I'm actually reasonably happy with the end result. Um, yeah. Which is, which is really cool, I found. Um, I found you couldn't push things quite so far as you might do if it was a digital neg- uh, digital shot, because... Yeah, the grain of the film in the scan means that some of the tools are really, really heavy-handed. So Mm. if you start playing with things like clarity um it very quickly becomes a mottled mess uh, yeah. well, because it's trying to work on all that micro contrast and stuff like that so it's trying to yeah it's trying to improve the contrast on pretty much every pixel in the photograph
1: yeah again this is one of those things though where much like the discussion when you're shooting digital about shooting jpeg versus shooting raw that carries through exactly whether you're talking about shooting you know a jpeg file or a tiff file um because it's actually quite impressive how much information is in that TIFF file. (laughs) It it is a lot more than just with the JPEG, even when you're using it from a negative, because negatives do have huge amounts of information in them. And uh, so say, for example, um, I always find with JPEGs, the one thing that they do not like at all is if you want to try and adjust the color temperature, that can go horribly wrong. Um, But if you have a TIFF file, you can adjust that, and that can be hugely useful. You know, I, I certainly find that quite often I'm making usually fairly small adjustments to the color temperature, um, but it, it can transform a photo. I think probably the best example recently that I can give of where editing made a significant difference not just how I perceive my photos, but my mum uh, took a point and shoot camera that I'd given her over to Bruges to take some photos and I think I talked about it at the time. I said, you know, she came back and got the photos developed at Boots and was just kind of meh about them and she shared the photos with me and I said, Well, yeah, they're all right, but tell you what, bring the film down when you come and I'll scan them in for you so you've at least got them digitally. And so she happened to be down when I was doing that. And we scanned the photos in and the the prints really weren't particularly great. And the thing that my mum said about them was that they just didn't really reflect what she was seeing while she was there. So I scanned them in, got them into Lightroom, whatever, and just started doing things like punching up the contrast a bit, adding a little bit of vibrance, sharpening them a little bit, uh, just tweaking the colour temperature, and all of a sudden, there are the images that my mum saw when she was there. Um, a little bit of a really long way. And obviously we're not as with any photograph, we're not talking about rescuing a disaster. We're talking about just nudging things <laughs> to match up with how we want them to be. Um, yeah, you can't make a bad photo into a good photo using Lightroom. Um,
0: <gasps> Wash your mouth out.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, you probably can in Photoshop if you prefer to go to all that trouble. But in that instance, it, it really did I mean, and they weren't huge differences, but it is just little things, just little things like, oh, well, if we just push the contrast here a bit, suddenly it looks much more like the way that your eye saw it on the day. Um, and it is seems to be quite an emotive subject. People seem to get quite attached to the idea that we shouldn't be digitally manipulating film photos. And I'm not entirely sure, I I suppose people are going to draw their own lines wherever they draw them. But like when I was printing out last week, if I just put that negative in the enlarger and printed onto the paper as it was, ignoring the fact that traditionally you had different kinds of paper for different contrast levels anyway, so you were already making a choice to edit then, but it would have been a very flat image so then i was using the different filters to add different levels of contrast this idea of raw photos and untouched it doesn't it, it was never really a thing it's it's a I don't, I don't know. I, I, it just doesn't fit with photography.
0: Um, so what you're saying is that I've just been lazy and, and and I should have been doing it or or I'm being lazy and I've just been accepting of the, the automatic decisions that the various different scanning equipments have made before I get my scans back from the lab. Well, if you've been pleased with the stuff you you use
1: good quality labs, and if they presumably have good quality software using great algorithms, which is giving you results that you're pleased with, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. But it's interesting that now you've dipped your toe in and found that actually some of the things maybe you could make more to your liking. I'll be interested to see if you do more with it.
0: But I don't like post processing.
1: <laughs> it's fun. I, I I quite like it. I quite like getting in there, as long as there's not a mountain of them.
0: Well, you have to be a bit selective, don't you, I suppose. But it's it's um yeah i i think you know, i've learned something anyway i think yeah we i mean we could talk about this topic for a very long time and maybe one day it'll be deserving of a you know a, a really long segment or even a whole show um yeah, mm. where we could share yeah you know, even maybe with guests you know the the various different techniques uh um, yeah. i i uh many people who are listening to this probably have received at least a thousand emails in the last week or so for a thing called the five day deal uh which is where a whole bunch of photography educators get around uh they built a huge package. In this case, the 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 marketing price of the content that I've just purchased for $97 was about $2,500. It's a charity thing. Right. And it has some really big names in it. Um, you know, people like uh, Zach Arias, you know, a very big internet name in photography uh, and others with similar Yeah. Uh, credits to their name in terms of the amount of education they do uh, and and the amount of uh, social networking and general internet presence that they've developed over the last 10 years or so um, and there's a, a huge amount of content I mean I've downloaded 30 gigabytes of videos, ebooks and instructional stuff uh, and Lightroom presets and Photoshop actions and stuff like that all for you know less than 100 pounds you know um, and uh, it's astonishing the amount of stuff that's out there. And, you know, I'm started to wake my way through it. But, the, yeah, there's any number of techniques is the, is the point about mentioning that. Is there, is there's any number of techniques and, and maybe it's worth a show in its own right at some point. But yeah. for now, I think I just like to, I suppose, begrudgingly acknowledge that I suppose I've learned something and I suppose I, I should make more effort and mm-hmm. uh, grumble, grumble, blah. I, I would really love to hear um, what our listeners approach
1: to uh, post-production is on this. And I would especially love to hear from anybody out there who doesn't do any post-processing um and why that is important, because I said I know that there are people out there because I see it on Instagram, I see people tagging me. You know, this is raw, no post processing. So it's obviously it's not just the case of I can't be bothered or it's just not a thing I do. It's, it's a deliberate choice because it's part of their artistic interpretation. And I would just like to hear the reasons for it, why it's important, to them. because I said it, it's it's something I struggle to get my head around a bit.
0: And I would really love to
1: have another person's viewpoint on that.
0: Yeah, I I'd echo that actually. Um I've done it out of laziness mostly. It's not that I'm pretending <laughs> I've got like some to sort say, of but... pure, oh, No, no, no. I right. I'm a lazy person, you know. It's uh, you know, it's uh, I I like my little film cameras because it means I don't have to carry big heavy digital cameras around the place. Yeah, it's stuff like that. But uh I I think uh I suppose yes, as I say it's something I'm going to have to put a little bit more effort into. <sighs> <sighs> Anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, 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 I'll report back on that and we'll try and, uh, and we'll try and get some uh, input from the listeners. Uh, please do. Uh, I think it's probably worthy of its own thread on pixelatedphotographer.com, wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, well, we'll go with that then. Uh, just a quick note at the very end of this segment before we take uh, another quick break. Um, I upgraded my iPhone to iOS 10. And now it shoots raw. And I've been editing raw files in Lightroom on my phone. You know, (laughs) truly, the iPhone is a pocket computer that occasionally you might speak to somebody a long distance away with.
1: If we're talking a big, fat waste of time, that seems like that may be the thing. (laughs) At this point, I'm like, that seems like more hassle than it's worth.
0: So you're not going to be buying the Kodak Extra then?
1: well i'm not saying no <laughs> At some point, i'll need a new phone and probably having a kodak phone uh, is delightfully kitchen some way so
0: fair enough all right back in a minute then uh, with some more things to share I was eating my breakfast the other morning and uh, looking at the post, and it turned out that there was a thing that said Amazon.com. Uh, a little envelope, cardboard envelope that said Amazon.com, and I thought that's a bit strange because you know Amazon over here in the UK is is under the brand under the URL Amazon.co.uk. So I thought, well, I don't remember ordering anything from America. I wonder what it is. Anyway, I opened it up and it was a gift from my good friend Graham. Uh, and yeah, made my day actually because there were two things inside this. First of all, there was an original Ronald. Uh, <laughs> now that may or may not make any sense to listeners, but uh, those of us who have been with us, those of you who have been with us for a few weeks, uh, will know that Graham fairly recently uh, purchased a large format camera. And that camera, by the time he got hold of it, was already named Ronald. And so, what came through the post? I think Graham is the Was it a piece of photo-sensitive card? So it actually had been the card that had been in the camera when you took the shot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, came straight out of Ronald's butt. Then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, when you made it, so, see, I was about to get all emotional and say thanks <laughs> and uh, what a wonderful friend you are and all of that. But when you put it like that, I don't know that I'll bother. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah that was um when I was doing some practicing with uh, my direct positive paper uh that's yeah one of the shots I took
0: it was great uh and uh, it's one that uh, you you sent uh, or you posted rather a a color version of it uh, I think at the time on our Flickr group and probably on the Instagram uh, channel as well um so it's it was the one of uh, a very nice dainty painted uh teapot.
1: That's right, yes.
0: A still life, if you will. A still life. And uh, yeah, anyway, but I just so so first of all, thank you for that, because that was great to, to get that in the post one morning and uh, made my day. And the second thing in it uh, was a badge or a, a patch a, a circular patch the sort you sew onto a jacket uh, the sort of thing that uh, makes you want to double denim up uh, <laughs> and or, or maybe sew it onto your camera bag or something like that if you've got uh, yeah a more sort of cloth type bag rather than one of these ballistic nylons that they seem to be all the rage these days anyway this is from our good friend mike padua who follows us on twitter and instagram and generally joins in the conversation he runs a website called shootfilmco.com and one of the things that he sells are patches for jackets, bags etc and the one that uh, I received says uh, no light meter, no worries uh, on it and uh, sunny 16 so uh, thank you very much Graham for my present
1: yeah, my absolute pleasure. Sorry, it took quite as long as it did to get to you, but, you know, better late than never.
0: <laughs> and I understand that Mike has a new product out that you want to talk to us a bit about.
1: Yeah, Mike does, I have to say. Mike it seems to be one of the most genial people out there in the film world. Uh, whenever you see him interacting with everybody, as he does on uh, Instagram and on Twitter, he's just so charming and so friendly and so engaged. And anyway, it was uh, with some fanfare that he announced his new product uh, I think it was last week or the week before, Mike has brought out photo memo books. Now, this may not sound particularly awe-inspiring uh, right off the get-go, but these are actually really cool, really useful little notepads, um, which I am very tempted to try and get hold of some because they're just a really nicely presented small notebook with made of good quality paper and a good quality covering. And inside, it's got like uh, fields for date, camera, what film and ISO it is, and then just note space underneath to put down whatever notes you want um, about whether it's what you're shooting, what the light conditions were, whatever it may be, as uh, Mike puts in his own thing. It could be a rough draft for your first novel. It could be the lighting setup you were using. It could be anything. Um, This would be hugely useful for me because – What I should already be doing is whenever I put a roll of film in the camera, I should be writing down the date that I do it, what the film is, what speed the film is, and how old the film is, and and I should be doing it. And this book is perfect for doing this. And because I've got over a dozen cameras, I suspect, with filming at the moment, and some of them, I'm not going to lie. I haven't got a clue what film they've got in them because it's been over a year since I put it in there and I've forgotten. Um, the books are cheap. I think for $9.99 you get two books. Um, they're not huge. They, you know, They're quite slim because you don't want a big book whilst you're carrying around, but I, I just think they're a really great idea. Um, and they're coming from somebody whose stuff I just really love anyway. So uh, check them out. I think Mike's doing a thing at the moment where there's check out his instagram feed but i'm pretty sure there's a thing on there you can get free uh delivery uh this month for some reason the the reason being mike's just that kind of guy and he likes to do cool stuff uh so check him out um and i would definitely recommend these things like i said i'm very seriously the the shippings not the shipping cost but just the the cost of customs and excise can be a bit of a pain in the butt getting stuff over to this country but i'm still quite tempted to grab one anyway because they look so useful and for somebody who has film in cameras for as long as i do it seems like a very valuable thing so yeah uh, good on you mike
0: yeah i think i think you're right i mean i looked at these and thought they look great as well and uh, i don't typically keep the film in the camera quiet as long as you do but then Possibly not many people do keep filming the cameras quite as long no. as you do, but yeah, great, great looking product. And uh, you know, if it's as good as the patch that I received through the post, then it's going to be a cracking thing to uh, to get. Maybe it's a, a present for Christmas or some other or a birthday or something like that for for the photographer in your life, as they oh, say. Yeah. Cri-
1: Christmas presents, See, that's a great idea. That is, this is a great photographer stocking filler. It would done. be, yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely it would be. Uh, so good luck to Mike uh, with that. I mean, he you said, inter- interestingly enough, you said he launched to some fanfare. I mean, he kind of blew up Twitter a little bit. I mean, maybe it wasn't, uh, yeah, maybe not as much as Donald Trump has done recently, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, actually, uh, you know, looking after the Twitter account for Sunny16, as I do, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was seeing on Twitter in the last week or so relates to these things. It's been picked up retweeted and um maybe not promoted is is slightly too commercial a word but certainly recommended by a number of people so uh you know i hope uh, mike is successful with this new product and uh, as as with all his other products and um you know look to maybe hope and put on my christmas list that i might get one too um Sorry, I'm putting that, no, that that voice on as if you'd get me one, Graham. I'm more thinking about my <laughs> wife or my kids or something like that. She co- not Sorry, apologise, everybody, for the... Uh, <laughs> the wheedling For tone. the wheedling little tone, yeah. <laughs> OK, so photo memo books, excellent. Uh, but now on to something that is actually about fine art photography. And where well, is it, fine art photography, or is it more documentary? I don't know, but, uh, Graham, you would like to share with us Uh, the photography of and I'm going to get this name horribly wrong so I apologise to anybody who knows actually how to produce it but a photographer called Malik Sidibi
1: your pronunciation is likely as good as mine I want to give a big thank you to uh, an Instagram and um, other places user called Rob underscore shoots underscore film who just as we were sitting down to record this dropped me a message and alerted me to this. Um, so Malik Sidibe, um, and I said apologies if we're butchering this was a photographer who lived over in Mali and was taking his photos in there. Uh, after the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> oh, my brain has complete post revolution Mali, I think is the, the, um, term I'm looking for. Um, And he died back in April. I think he's a very, very well-respected photographer, although I'd not heard of his work before, but that's saying nothing because I've not heard of anybody's work before. Um, But anyway, Rob drew my attention to the fact that there is an exhibition of his work at Somerset House in London at the moment. It's running until the 17th of January, I think, Aid, is that right? Something like
0: that, yes. Certainly it's got a few months left to run.
1: Yeah, so it's just started and it's running to the 17th. And Rob said that the work is fantastic. Um, and I've just had a very quick look at some of his photographs that I could easily gain access to because I said I got this just as we sat down. Um, and the work looks really interesting. It's obviously capturing a time and a place at a, a really interesting moment where suddenly people are... are having a freedom that they didn't have before. And there seems to be just a joy and a life to a lot of the pictures. He seems to be shooting a lot on medium format, a lot of black and white. Uh, But it looks, I mean, I'm really looking forward to when we get off this call, just looking more into this guy's work because it looks amazing. And it's, he's somebody who lived and shot in this uh, one city. I think it's Bamako or Bamako uh, his whole life and was a real, um, force there. I think he was recognized by Hasselblad. He's a winner of a Hasselblad Award in the past. So he, yeah, he's a photographer of note. And if you're in London or you have access to London and this kind of work appeals to you, definitely check that out. Um, and yeah, a big thank you to Rob underscore shoots underscore film for pointing out to us. Um, great stuff
0: yeah absolutely absolutely it's um yes i suppose uh, i i said yeah is it uh, fine art or, or documentary um i guess you could for, yeah with, with such a high profile place to be exhibited as a uh, somerset house uh, you could be forgiven for thinking it was fine art but i think looking at the content of it uh much more about documenting a, a cultural change and uh you know, it looks like really interesting stuff. I mean, you know, Somerset House in London. You know, just by, by way of interest, um, is uh, you know quite a well-regarded or very well-regarded uh, place to have a show of any kind, uh, any any artistic kind, uh, especially photography. Often, some of the uh, the Sony Awards are uh, exhibited there, and I've, been, I've certainly been there for that. Uh, it's also um, bizarrely enough um, it's a big old building you know sort of yeah, you know, with a big square in the middle of it and very ornate uh, you know columns on the outside and it sits on the front of the River Thames it's actually a government building for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs so in the days of, uh, of the Port of London actually being right in the city of London uh, that, this is where you went to pay your taxes and it's still an office uh, as well uh, parts of the building are still an office for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs uh, even though it's also a very well known art gallery go figure that
1: yeah don't go into the revenue and customers part go into the part that's a gallery and yeah I mean as to whether it's fine art or documentary I think from the small amount that I had time to read I know that he had a studio in the city and so I think it's probably a mixture of stuff and also I think you know sometimes those there's not a clear line between those I think beautifully shot photography is fine art no matter what the actual subject matter is so um, yeah I said I'm just really looking forward to diving into some of his
0: work myself once we get a chance excellent all right thank you well do you know what now we are going to do some shout outs and the first one comes to me uh you will remember dear listeners uh, i'm sure that i was a bit concerned over the summer or late spring early summer when one of my favorite labs in the uk uh decided that they were going to shut down because the owners of the people that ran the lab uh, were emigrating uh so UK Film Lab uh, as it was known shut down and the proprietors husband and wife team I believe uh, were moving to Canada and I now have an email uh, in my inbox that says uh, welcome to Canadian Film Lab uh, now open for business so First of all, I'd like to say good luck to them. I mean, while they were in the UK, they were a fantastic lab. Their developing and scanning services were great, and I was always pleased with what I had back from them. Uh, They also ran uh, a little... Uh, what they call their pro service but it was a bit of a pun really it wasn't about being professional it was more about uh, registering with them a profile of how you liked your scans done Uh, so you could send them back two or three photos that they'd scanned um, that you liked or that you had some hints and tips from and they'd actually make a a personal effort to send you scans that were configured in the way that you liked. Um, Now uh, sadly, they are no longer in the UK, and I doubt that uh, it's going to be f- affordable for me to send my films to Canada, uh, much though I liked their service. But if you check out CanadianFilmLab.com, and if you are in anywhere in North America, I guess, uh, although particularly in Canada, um, you've now got a brand new lab uh, who very capable people and who take a personal interest in providing good service.
1: Yeah, and that's great. I mean, unfortunately, I think pretty much nobody in Canada listens to this. They're all listening to uh, the Canadian uh, Classic Camera Revival podcast instead, which is based out there in Toronto, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, could somebody please let the Canadians know? <laughs> Pass it on. To the... <laughs> let your Canadian friends know that there's a new new gig in town. Yeah. I'm glad to hear they're all set up there.
0: Absolutely, and good luck to them. Okay, so a couple of shootouts. Uh, shootouts? Yeah, shootouts. Who knows? Uh, for you, Graham, um, first one being somebody called Sol Exposure?
1: Yep. so all three ones I picked out this week, because it's Polaroid week, it seemed only fitting that I should... Um, give shout outs to three uh, Instagram accounts that uh, we follow or that I follow that I particularly enjoy seeing the words work coming through. So you're yeah, the first one at sol exposure, uh, which is at S O L E X B O S U R E. You know how to spell exposure. If you're a photographer, you probably know that, but um, I, I really no no no. teach
0: you. me to suck eggs. That'd be great.
1: <laughs> I don't like eggs. Um, yeah. Really beautiful stuff. Um, I think a lot of work, I think over in Montana, anyway, just really beautiful pictures. And I know she also sells her work, um, she's got her own online store that she sells stuff through, so definitely worth a look. Um, the next one is at leila.gruen that's L E L A dot G R U E N. Um, again, just a, a real make mixture of different they're both of these artists actually all three of these are shooting using impossible project film and have really embraced what the film can do to produce incredible results uh and i, and I really love the stuff and last but not least is at polar max uh, that's at polar underscore max I think if you can see that
0: in front of you because i have scribbled all over my it is yeah P-O-L-A no R P-O-L-A underscore max
1: yeah uh, again just somebody doing fantastic quite a lot of cool um, Not, I wouldn't say beach side necessarily but uh, sort of riverside or something like cool waterside shots have been quite a few of those coming up and yeah just a lot of really moody atmospheric stuff from him really good all three of those if you want to see some great stuff being shot on impossible project film using these funky instant cameras those three accounts are well worth a look at and again i just want to give a a thank you and a shout out to rob hawthorne uh, at rob underscore shoots underscore film and he also has a website which i think is RobHawthornePhotography.com. rob is a fantastic portrait photographer he does a lot of natural light outdoor photography portraits which are beautiful um i think he's shooting with portrait a lot um I can't remember what cameras he's been using lately. I know he, he mentioned the fact that we talk about a lot of cheap and crappy cameras, and maybe we ought to talk about more higher quality cameras. We may need to get uh, Rob on to shoot, talk about high quality cameras because I don't have many. Um, also, if you're checking out his account, dig back through his work because he's also got a few shots there that he's uh, taken using, um, infrared colour film and they're just stunning. I think he took them at certainly at least one of them at Kew Gardens and these pictures as you're scrolling down through his feed you cannot help but see them because they stick out like a sore thumb but they are awesome so check those out too.
0: Excellent, excellent. I'm just flicking through Rob's feed right now on Instagram and uh, yeah there's some awesome stuff there so well, well worth a look, well worth a look. Okay, well do you know what? I think that probably brings us to the end of today's show, uh, just one last I want, I want, I want because Alex Ward, who we gave a shout out to last week, has started posting uh, to our Flickr account, uh, well, made at least one photo taken with a Fuji GW693, and so just by way of uh, acknowledging that we don't often talk enough about the you know, really, really good film cameras, uh, that is uh, a, a kind of legendary, you know, enormous 6x9 medium format Fuji rangefinder uh, of the class of Fuji rangefinders, often termed the the Texas Leica, I think just because they look a bit like a Leica and are enormous. <laughs> um, I just mentioned that because I just want one of those cameras. I think it'd be fantastic. I've always wanted one. Anyway, Graham, why don't you tell us or tell all our listeners more to the point um, how they can get in touch with us on the internet?
1: You can find us uh, at sunny 16 podcast on Twitter, where you will find aid the wordsmith and master uh, at Instagram, which is where I uh, hang around more. Um, We are have a sunny 16 podcast page on Facebook, which I try and remember to put the podcast posts up there and you can always get hold of us through there. Although we may not put a lot of stuff on there. If that's how you like to communicate, we will always respond to you. Um, You can find our Flickr page, which is uh, under Sunny16 Podcast, and uh, more and more people are joining up for that and sharing photos, and that's a great place to go to see the pictures a little bit larger than you may find them on Instagram, and it's quite a good holding pen. So I I love going through there and seeing what people are sharing there. There's been some great stuff lately. And uh, best of all, come to Pixelated Photographer, Pixelated photographer.com is that right aid oh boy it's a bit yeah pixelated photographer.com um which is the forum where the longer format conversations go on. That's where you'll find threads for things like the ongoing Cheap Shot Challenge. You will find every week the show notes, the exhaustive show notes, as provided by Bill Owens, who has really got his work cut out from this week because we threw a lot of stuff in there. Um, And, you know, anything else that you want to talk about, we have people talking about film they're shooting problems with developing the film they're shooting all sorts of bits and pieces it's a really welcoming place and more and more listeners
0: are joining up there all the time so come on over absolutely great thank you very much so last but not least uh to say thank you to kevin mcleod for the music that we use for the podcast and i think beyond that we'll see you next week Bye-bye. bye bye
1: We really did go through a lot of stuff in that episode, didn't we?
0: Well, you know, can't always be thoughtful, can we? Sometimes we just gotta go bang, bang, bang!